Hello, residents of Meepletown. This is Dean. This is Darren. And today we're going to be talking about our favorite Halloween games, our top 13 Halloween games. So thanks for joining us for episode 146 as we seek to create community through board gaming. Residents of Meepletown, happy <laughs> Friday the 13th. Uh, this is a very special, <laughs> spooky episode of Meepletown that we are releasing, hopefully, if all things go well and our computers don't crash again, uh, hopefully being released on Friday the 13th. Uh, man, Dean, I am super excited about this um, this list that we're going to be talking about, the season that we're in. Are you just like fully immersed in the fall season right now? Yeah, very much so. It's it's cool weather down here in Tennessee. Feels like fall. It's funny that you say though that this is our our spooky Halloween episode, and we've laughed a lot and <laughs> well, I hope so. Given an awful <laughs> intro voice that I didn't even plan, I just kind of started talking. And uh, you know, I spent a summer in Romania, spent <laughs> some time at uh, at the uh, Dracula's castle, mm. which is a not actually a castle. And that's the best I can do. That's the well. It, <laughs> it sounded it, it sounded perfect. I feel like you know I was in I was transported to Romania right then. There we go. There we go. So anyway, <laughs> this is a semi spooky episode with also lots of giggles, lots of laughs, lots of good times. Darren, when you came, when you agreed to come to Meepletown as the co host, mm-hmm. one of the conditions was we will do a top thirteen Halloween list or I walk. That was what you said. I think that, that was an a- exact quote. That is an exact quote. That's exactly what I said. Um, I have been so looking forward to this episode. Of all the episodes of Meeple Town that, that, you know, that we do, when you asked me to do this, the two, the first two things that popped to my mind is I cannot wait for the Halloween episode when we talk about our favorite Halloween games and the Christmas episode when we talk about those games. Um, I guess that's probably because those are my two favorite seasons. Those are also some of the most thematic games, I think, that are out there, particularly those for this season. I've been getting pumped for this. I've been watching horror movies and reading creepy books and listening to scary podcasts and of course playing spooky board games just to feel completely immersed in the thematicness of this board gaming season. Ah, I cannot wait. I'm super excited. I hope yeah. residents are. I hope you are too. Yeah, I'm already kind of there. I've I've played been playing a decent amount of these type of games actually and um I haven't played all the ones that are on the main list today, which is unfortunate, but my my goal is to play most of these um, at least sometime this year. Hopefully sometime in this month would be fantastic. But besides the games that are on this list, I've been trying to get some other Halloween board games played. Mm-hmm. And so that is how we're going to kick this episode off is talking about some other Halloween games that didn't make the list, but ones that we might be at least excited to talk about, talk about our experience. So you've you've been playing one lately, I see on here, Darren. For sure, yeah. Uh, like you, I've been playing so many, but the one I want to talk about right now is Tricks and Treats. This is a review copy that we received from Trick or Treat Studios when I was at Gen Con. They were kind enough to give us uh, this. This is just a, um, a small deck box game. Uh, originally, I think it was a 2012 game. 
just re-released this year by Trick or Treat, designed by Emerson Matsuchi, art by Drew Rausch. And I believe Emerson did a little bit of the art as well, according to BGG. But it's two to four players, plays in 10 minutes, maybe 15, but really this is a very short, quick game. It's a push your luck bluffing card game where all the players, you're all just dividing up candy after a night of trick-or-treating. And there's several different colored Halloween buckets that are out on the table, and each player owns one of those buckets, but it's a secret as to which bucket belongs to whom. And so on your turn, you're going to be drawing a candy card, um, which has different types or or values of, of candy on it. And you place one of those candy cards from your hand into one of the buckets, trying not to give away which bucket is yours. And that's all you do on your turn, except for one optional thing. You can, if you think you have figured out someone's bucket, uh, either before or after you play and or you draw and play a card, you can point at someone and yell, cheater. And then they have to secretly show you their bucket card. And if you're right then they are eliminated from the game and you put their card in front of you and it's worth four points at the game end. But if you're wrong, they take your card from you and you're the one that's eliminated. So again, this, this plays pretty quick because the game is going to, yeah. And it's vicious because trick-or-treating and candy dividing is a a vicious sport. The game is going to end when the, the time's up card is revealed near the bottom of the candy deck. You're not quite sure when that comes up, but when it does, everyone reveals which bucket is theirs and whoever has the most points or pieces of candy in their bucket wins. That's about it. There's also some special bucket cards that you can mix in if you so choose. And that does crazy things like moving buckets around or um, making certain candy worth or less more. And every game that I've played, we've used those those cards and it's been very different, um, primarily because of those, those special buckets. There's several of them. They're a lot of fun. The art in this game is really fantastic, very similar to the other small um, deck box game like this uh, Halloween party. This game in particular, though, it's not my favorite kind of bluffing and push your luck. It feels like it takes maybe several plays to get a feel for it. But again, it only takes about 10 minutes. I like it. Everyone I've played with has enjoyed it. It gives you those good, quick Halloween game feels. You know, out of our scale of pass, play, or purchase, this one's a play for me. You know, it's pretty good. It's not bad. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so that is public shaming the card game. Is, uh... <laughs> Cheater! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. Not yep. the actual name. Um, no. no. The actual name is Tricks and Treats. <laughs> oh, yeah. Much, from... <laughs> much better. <laughs> much better, more appealing name yep, to the yep. masses, I guess. Yeah. Now, your game's about candy, too, right? The game you're playing. And it actually is called Ghost Love Candy 2, Ooh. T-O-O, not okay. to the sequel. <laughs> I was about but, to ask. Um, that's because, you know, we know kids love candy on Halloween. But did you know, this is a little known fact, that ghosts love candy too. And that's Ooh. how they got the name, is that one night a year, the ghost can scare the children, children, children. the ghost scare the children, and they steal their candy. That's what this game is about. Mm. You are taking on the role of a ghost and you will have a deck of nine cards, one through nine. And uh, they are cool names for these different ghosts that you're going to take on the role of. My favorite probably being McSpooky. And this is a, um, a Scottish Scottish ghost <laughs> with a Scottish terrier named McSpooky. And so you take a, a deck and you're going to be doing the... Um, choosing a card, flipping them over all at the same time, having the big reveal, and then whoever has the highest number is going to get to go first. And you only get nine rounds of this game, so you're going to be playing all these cards, so you want to make sure that you're not you know, using your, your high-numbered cards at the wrong time. 
because what you're going to do is through uh, by uh, looking at a line of children cards with candy, you're going to choose which kid that you want to scare and you will get the ability that's listed on the kids card. And then if you make the number burst, kind of like um, smash up uh, one of those other games, there's lots of games like that at this point, but smash up is the one that comes to mind. If my number, if our numbers combined at this location exceeds reaches or exceeds the number listed on that card, then you'll get to take that card, which you think, oh, that's great. But most of the time it's negative points on those cards. So you're really trying to scare the children, take their candy, but not necessarily have them come into your collection. I guess you don't want to scare them to death is mm. well, <laughs> that would be terrible. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually thematically what's going on, but that's what I think is going on. Um not all the time, though. Sometimes having the kids in your collection is a good thing because you might want to have Romeo matched up with Juliet. These are all kids in different costumes. You might want to have, I don't know, like a werewolf paired up with something else as well. So there's there's pairings that you want to have that give you points or give you special abilities that are ongoing abilities. But ultimately, you're trying to get the most candy. Everyone's trying to collect different types of candy. So I might really want chocolate because it's worth five points. But chocolate for you might be worth zero points or one point. And you might really like peppermint because what kid doesn't love peppermint on Halloween? Most of them. But regardless, (laughs) most of them do not, that is. Some people do. And so five points for you because you want peppermints. And so we're collecting different types of candies that way. Whoever has the most points at the end of the game is going to be the winner after those nine rounds. Plays fairly quickly. Now, I've played this with my kids. I've played it with a group of college students. And what I have noticed is I, about myself, let me first say what I've noticed about myself. I think I don't love games that have a lot of text on the cards that everyone has to read. And those cards are keep they keep getting replaced. And so you keep having to read those cards. I think it slows the game down. What I realize though, is I'm the only one that feels that way because my kids really like this game. My college students really like this game as well. I thought it was fine. It wasn't one that I'm like, I've got to rush out to get this game right away. But I thought it was, it was fun. And I like the reveal. I think that part's fun. And I think, you know, taking advantage of the the children's abilities, I think, is really neat. But having to read the cards, and I don't mind reading, you know. I, I like reading as much as the next guy. But it's just that thing that slows down the game I didn't love. But that is just me. And so for me, this game is a play as opposed to a purchase or even a pass. I, I, I think I would put it in the pass category if other people didn't like it so much. And so because it's a game, I know I can get to the table with my kids and with college students. I will put it in the play category where it will sit firmly. You've not played this one, or have you? I have not. No, but it looks kind of interesting. I'm seeing this bag of, of tokens here. What are they, What's this bag of... Is a look at the pictures here on BGG. Little yeah, okay, so... Candy corn, chocolate, what is all I, that? Gummies? Yeah, so I just mentioned the, the cards for the most part, but there's tokens for the candy that come out with the children. So as the kids come out, candy comes out, you refill and put more and more candy, so it makes it more appealing to scare certain kids. Um, there's also some negative things like toothbrushes and I don't remember what else was on that list. Um, rocks. I think you can get rocks and other <laughs> things, but okay. you might want rocks as you're, you get a kid that might, uh, for example, if you get a dentist kid, then you want to collect toothbrushes because they really do want toothbrushes. And so those are worth three points as opposed to negative points. So all those come out randomly out of a 
jack-o'-lantern bag that looks like you know what you're going to actually trick or treat out of the art on this is really cute the the components are really well done i think so uh it's got that appeal to really bright colors yeah that's this is also so this was a review copy from 25th century games but it was actually a remake of a game that came out in i can't remember earlier 2016 there we go by steve jackson games and it was called ghost love candy mm. not ghost love candy two or also so two is really a play on words there very well done 25th century it is clever that's <laughs> very true so anyway that is what that's that game cool. is but that's all the games we're going to be talking about playing because we want to get into a poll and then get onto our game list so talk about the poll darren That's right. As we are so excited to be talking about our top 13 games, we asked you, Meepletown, what is your top game that you like to play here around the Halloween season? Maybe it's a spooky game, maybe not. Not everybody is into spooky or to Halloween, but what game do you like to play uh, this time of year? And we got we have several answers uh, that have ranged all over the all over the spectrum here. Uh, starting with the the Discord, uh, Enoch says that Enoch on a Enoch, probably, but maybe Enoch. Either way, he says that... Um, I'm going to say Enoch. That's my guess. <laughs> all right. Um, pl- loves playing the Horrified games this time of year and recently played the Horrified Greek Monsters version last week, which I, I am curious about. I- I'd love to hear what, what, you th- what, what you think about that, Enoch. Um, how did the Greek Monsters fan in that one? I- I'm okay with the Horrified games. They're all right. They may or may not make these lists. We'll see. Mushy Pizza says, Nemesis and Abomination. Both very thematic. Yes, I agree. Now, this is what I what, what I really agree with. Who doesn't want to get hunted down? Uh, hunted down. Haunted. <laughs> Who doesn't want to get hunted down by aliens while having constant fear of your friend's betrayal? Agreed. Hmm. Uh, let's see what else we got there. We've got uh, Wicked Cool Sean. Didn't really say anything. Just in a picture of a lot, a lot of Final Girl. There's a lot of Final Girl being played. Sean and, loves Final and Girl. Wicked Cool Sean's house. Yes. Obviously, I hope so. That's a lot of money invested in that. Uh, <laughs> Colin says, likes Alchemist. Um, isn't quite as Halloween-y as some others I mentioned, but think it would still qualify for this? Absolutely. You know, I feel like anything along the the, the potion, the alchemy, uh, fantasy realm is still very, very much adjacent to this to this world we're talking about here. Steve Rourke says, I don't play many games with Halloween themes, but it does want to play um, things like Arkham Horror, the card game, and a study in Emerald. What are you talking about, Steve? These are very much Halloweeny games. What do, what do you mean? No, about? wants to play them. Has not wants played to play them, them but, but doesn't play them. play them. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, make it happen, Steve. Don't wait. <laughs> <laughs> He's played Fury the of world Dracula. Is your oyster. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but he he is interested too in that Call of Cthulhu Horror, the Orient Express game we talked about. Uh, back around the Gen Con. Uh, again, my demo of that was quite quite exciting. Uh, Captain Maki um, says Mysterium. Loves it. Also see a few votes for Ghost Fighting Treasure Hunters. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Nickquilibrium talks about, you know, wanting to get his hands on a copy of the X-Files game. There needs to be a good X-Files game. I don't know if there is. I've not heard anybody really talking about one. Um, man, that would be awesome. I agree with that. I would love to see. I would love to see that. I, didn't they do a legendary system of X Files? Maybe I'm wrong yeah, about that. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I've not heard anything good about it. 
But um, but yes, I believe you're right. Nate talks about the Patchwork Halloween edition. Agreed. Very good. Someone, uh, who is this? Uh, Peter Shot says, not big on spooky games, but played through Scooby-Doo Escape the Haunted Mansion. I hear that's pretty good, Peter. Sounds spooky to me. Again, another another one for Ghost Fighting Treasure Hunters. That seems to be a common theme here in the in the Discord anyway. Uh, let's yeah. see what else we got here. Hoppities would say things like, again, this is kind of a fantasy wizardy adjacent. Things like Ex Libris, Escape Curse of the Temple. <laughs> I love this. Hoppities, Agricola, nothing more terrifying than the prospect of not being able to feed your family. <laughs> not wrong. Not wrong. It, there needs to be a uh, Halloween themed Agricola. Well, I feel like there's got to be an expansion that's got something to do with that, right? At least in Caverna, there's got to be with the trolls and the dwarves. And I mean, there's pumpkins involved in this. There's got to be some kind of Halloween expansion. Uh, Nate echoes the, the the desire for Agricola Misery Farm. That would be quite poetic. <laughs> Let's see what else we've got here. We've got a few more uh, real quick on the BGG and the Discord. Uh, Patrick Foster says top marks to mansions of madness second edition and my father's work yes very good deeply thematic yeah it's really easy i think it's one of the things that appeals to me too about these these games is how thematic they are derek o brings up a few interesting ones i've never heard of things like decula lockwood's asylum have you seen these if you click on these if you go to the the guild or if you look up these on bgg decula lockwood's asylum these look creepy i've never heard of them but they sound they sound fun. Do you watch The Office, Darren? I I watched a little bit of the first season, and uh, I quickly tired of it. There are some things that I thought were really funny, but I did not stick with it. Okay, uh, I was just it made me think of one of the one of the later season episodes where they have a Halloween party, and uh, oh goodness, I cannot think of his name now. It's um, it's slipped me. The one that dresses up like a skeleton. He's Gabe. Um, he's, he makes a video for the office and it's just like this horrifying video that everyone's just super creeped out by, um, you know, way, way too much for an office setting. And that's what makes me think of like <laughs> those games. You're like, those look yes. horrifying. Is that, is that the style? Like, whoa, 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 <laughs> yes. too far, buddy. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was watching, was it Renfield the other day or started Renfield? I've not finished it, but started this movie and just that, how it's a, comedy horror movie i don't know if you've seen that one or not have you no okay but some of the some of the gore that comes in that done in a funny way is almost like whoa that's that's a bit too much <laughs> hang on <laughs> but uh, but that, that also does make me think of derrico also mentioned mr cabbage head's garden just because the veggie people creep him out yeah i saw that picture posted. <laughs> it, is, it is really creepy i agree derrick yes those are some creepy animals i definitely qualify that as a spooky or scary game bj <laughs> says my village I've not played it. But My the, village is like the <laughs> dice version of village. I don't, I don't get it. Okay. Maybe the cover it, looks creepy, creepy and old, <laughs> but he did, he did mention also though on X BJ did, uh, that he's hoping to play ghost love candy too. So he's one of you. Uh, oh, there wants, we go. He wants to yep. play that one. But, um, but yeah. Oh, and one more late entry here. Just a, just a little while ago that I didn't see my two go-to games. This is Michael Davis says, during Halloween are Horrified and Scooby-Doo, the board game. Lots of Horrified, lots of Scooby-Doo, some um, ghost hunting 
ghost ghost something treasure hunters ghost fighting treasure hunters, treasure hunters. <laughs> um seem to be common common theme some cthulhu in there well done meeple town i'm glad glad you're finding something to play that that at least for you is either thematic to the season or at least uh creates an opportunity for you to get some good community gaming in during this time what i think is darren and i might be way more excited about this list than the listeners out there (laughs) that that's what i'm gathering from what we've gone through like i don't really play these games if I were going to play something here is what it is. So this might be the worst episode <laughs> in the history of Meeple Town that Darren is most excited about. So you know what, Meeple Town? You need to get off your high horses and support Darren. That's <laughs> what you need to do. And me. Because if you know me, you know that I like Halloween games. Um, in fact, my birthday is the day before Halloween. And we typically do a board game day dedicated to playing Halloween games. So I force all of my friends to play Halloween games with me. Do you really force them? Is it a chore? Like, are you really the only one excited about playing those games? You know, Meeple Town listener Steven could be the judge of that. I don't know. <laughs> I think they enjoy it. I think they do. Uh, Steven, w- when you text us Friday morning after listening to this episode, tell us whether or not you really enjoy playing <laughs> Dean's Halloween games. And which ones you enjoy. I guess that would be helpful. <laughs> Maybe I should ask people what they want to play before I force them into it. Well, if you're a good host, you would. Now, one I will talk about later that I know that Stephen does not like playing. And so we don't play, even though I think he should play it because it's my birthday. That's what I... <laughs> <laughs> it's my birthday and we'll play what I want to. All right, let's get to the list. I'm very excited about doing this list. Hey, Darren. Yes, Dean. (laughs) Why do vampires not want to become investment bankers? I don't know. They hate stakeholders. (laughs) Doodoom. Okay, now now it's time. Now it's time to get to the list, right? We are going to try Meeple Town. We've got some overlap on here. Surprisingly, not as much as I thought we were going to. Higher up on the list, we've got some some overlap. But when we get to those overlap ones, we're going to skip over the ones those ones so we can talk about them together. But we're going to try to get through this. 13 is a lot of games per, so 26 games that we're going to be talking about. We're going to give ourselves not a ton of time to talk about these games so that we can talk about a lot. And then you're not bored to death because we know that you hate Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. They love it just oh, as sorry. much as we do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Starting first is going to be Darren. Well, but before we, I really want to try that accent, but I'm not going to. Um, I don't think it's very good. I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there. My guess is it's probably changing every time, like my Gus Chickens. <laughs> Maybe I should try a vampire Gus Chickens voice. Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> Before I give my my number 13 here, I am curious, what, as you were making this list, again, there are so many interesting, good, and mediocre games that kind of fall into this realm of games that we enjoy playing around Halloween, games that may or may not have spooky, creepy themes. How did you go about making this list? Because for me, some of them are from my top 50, but they're not necessarily in the same rank as maybe my top 50, because I'm trying to think of games that really evoked the 
the spooky, creepy kind of dread that I want to feel. Maybe again, this says a lot about me, that oh I goodness. want to feel during this time of year. So some of the games may be out of order. Um, they may not even necessarily be the best games, but they do something that evokes that that feeling. And that's sort of how I judged what games made the list and what games didn't and where they were. Is that similar to what you did? How did you go about making this? I would say for the most part, that is the case. Um, You're going to see a lot, but not all, are ones that I enjoy doing that with other people. Okay, yep. (laughs) And so, excuse me. So there's that element. Um, My first one that I'm going to talk about, you'll see that one doesn't necessarily fit that category, but I'll explain why that's the case. Um, But I think for the most part, that's kind of where I'm at, Darren. Which which one of these is, is the most thematic and immerses me the most? And I would say my definitely two out of my top three do that really well, but also a lot of these throughout. Yeah. Do it to an extent in leads. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of good like solo experiences in this genre as well, but there's also, you got to have some games that have to deal with, you know, what are we going to play when we're with a group of people? Maybe it's Halloween night. Maybe it's, um, we're just getting together for a party, whatever it is. So my number 13 is one of the games that I really enjoy breaking out when I'm with other people. And this is a 2019 game, Paranormal Detectives. This is designed by a lot of lovely people whose names I cannot pronounce. And the art is also by lovely people whose names I cannot pronounce. And I don't want to offend you by trying like Dean's accent. And so uh, look up Paranormal Detectives and and bless these lovely people that made this game. That's so much fun. It's published by Lucky Duck and it plays two to six players, 30 to 50 minutes. And this is a competitive deduction party game where one player takes on the role of a ghost who has recently met a mysterious demise. And they're trying to help the other players discover who killed them how they died, where they died, and what weapons were used. Um, the, the detective players will ask the ghost a question and play an interaction card that will dictate how the ghost will respond to them. Now that the ghost can respond by maybe mouthing one word to them or pantomiming something or playing a tarot style card with an image that the, the detectives will have to interpret. Or uh, they can make a shape from a rope, which is really a wire, but they can make a shape from that that maybe helps them. Or they can guide a person's hand while that person is drawing on a little whiteboard. Or, this is kind of creepy, they can write a shape on a person's back to answer that question. And so whatever answer the ghost gives, everyone takes notes on what they think is being conveyed. And then um, over the course of the game, everyone can make two guesses. And if no one gets it right, then whoever has the most correct guesses at the end of the game wins. Um, this is a game you can play co-op where the whole group gets two guesses total to try to solve all five things you're trying to figure out. Um, I just love the 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 different kind of creepy thematic ways that the ghost can communicate with this. It usually generates lots of laughs and lots of um, weird, awkward situations. <laughs> and again, the whole theme, the art, all of it evokes that, uh, that creepy uh, sense of us being together with a ghost trying to figure out what's happening. Um, really like paranormal detectives. I know you're not a fan of this one though, Dean. Yeah, that's right. We did, we, John and I did a review of this several years ago, got a review copy of this one. Didn't really do it for me, but I get, I get the appeal of it. Yep. And it's similar to a game that I think that you're going to be talking about here soon. Yeah. A party-ish game. Not the one I'm going to talk about right now. It actually looks nothing like that. Um, (laughs) I think that's right. Uh, Maybe I should pull up my... (laughs) list the order that I have on here now. No, you're right. You may have something similar to that later on, but that was my number 13, Paranormal Detectives. Yep. Para, paranormal Detectives. Normal from uh, Garfield. Is that? What? Remember Normal? Normal the cat? 
Do you watch Garfield? I guess a child. All I remember is Garfield and Odie and Lasagna. That's all I remember. Okay. Well, sorry. My name is uh, Perry Normal. That's uh, okay. That has nothing to do with Garfield. That was just Not at a, all. throwing that out there for your benefit. What's your number 13? My number 13 is a game that doesn't really fit the qualification of what I was talking about, of, of kind of immersing me in this haunted, spooky environment. Uh, this one is more of a historical type of game. This is Affliction Salem 1692, where you are... Uh, put in the in in Salem in the late 1600s, specifically in 1692, as the title would <laughs> would indicate, and you are going to be influencing and arresting different people um, to benefit you, and so you are taking the side of a a townsperson or a villager. And you are going to be, um, again, influencing people if you want to use their abilities. Um, there's a lot of manipulation of, of people, uh, but really it's a, a worker placement game. You are placing your workers, taking the different actions of gaining influence tokens or, or really lots of other different actions that you can take. But, um, but you're going to be influencing people into your colony. You're going to be arresting people that you don't want uh, to be influence positively because arresting them will help you with getting more points at the end of the game and also potentially hurting other people. This is actually kind of a, I don't even know if I would say cutthroat, although there are elements of that where you are, you know, taking people that other people would really want and that hurts their their plans that they might have, but then you have to pay a lot to get them out and take them over to your side. There's lots of uh, vying for attention in that in that sense i guess but uh but that really is it 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 is a it's not i don't want to say it's not thematic it actually is pretty thematic but it's not thematic in the same way it's thematic in the sense of you're looking at the the historical hysteria of salem witch trials during that time now when darren this is a a real brief reason why I'm, i'm a little fascinated by this history it's because when the dunning family came over to america it was in the 1600s and they were in Salem. And in fact, there are some Dunnings. uh, If I remember right, John Dunning back in the late 1600s was, was a name mentioned in during this time on, on uh, the history things that I've read in the past of uh, his involvement with, um, with this particular history. So I have, I have a fascination with this history Mm. and just the Dunnings and in Massachusetts during the late 1600s and, and moving out of there or all throughout the 1600s, I guess. So there's that element that really draws me in, but also I just think it's a, a well-done game, but you have to play with the right group because again, it can be cutthroat and some people are not going to like that. But I think this is the better of the games of this uh, of this history period, historical period that I've played for me. Interesting. Okay. So real quick, your, your ancestor there, mm-hmm. which burner or which? Yeah, well, we don't have to go down that route. Okay. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> well, th- yeah, yeah. No, I didn't say it was great history, Darren. I said it was gotcha. history. Okay. Well, th- that is. Th- this is fascinating. And so I, I want to say more about this, but maybe, and maybe I will in the context of, of my number 12, which I want to go ahead and talk about because the themes are very similar here. And then we'll, then we'll kind of maybe do some dialoguing back and forth on this to compare the two. Because my number 12 um, is minus the affliction. My number 12 is just Salem. <laughs> 1692. It's a game that came out in 2015, designed by Travis Hancock, art by Holly Hancock and Sarah Keel. Keel? Keeley? 
Art by Sarah, um, published by Facade Games, which I think is also owned by the Hancock family. Um, it plays, it's uh, four to 12 players, 25 to 35 minutes. And this is a deduction hidden traitor game in the whole family of werewolf and mafia style games, but but better, much, much better. Obviously set in the, the, the time of the Salem Witch Trials. And this is a game where every player has three secret trial cards face down in front of them. And those cards either say not a witch or witch. And if you're not a witch, you are actively trying to find the witches among you, among the players that are around the table. If you are a witch, you're trying to either kill the villagers or get them to kill themselves. Because, you know, I guess that's what you do. Everyone has cards in their hand and on their turn, they can either draw two more cards or they can play a card in front of someone. And the cards you might play might protect people or keep them from taking a turn, like by putting them in the stocks or something. Or you can accuse them. You can lay a red card, a red accusation card in front of someone. And then once a person plays a seventh accusation card in front of someone, then they tell that per- they, they tell that person which one of their trial cards they need to reveal. And again, the villagers win when all the witch cards are revealed. So if that person reveals themselves a witch, then you know, everyone knows that. Um, that person is then now now out of the game. And if that's the only witch in the game, then the game is over. But there are some cards that also make you draw trial cards from other players. And so if you happen to take a card from another player and you look at it and it says witch, you are now a witch too. There's also a night phase, which is common with these kinds of games where witches can kill someone during the night, but there's also a constable role where someone can protect someone. Uh, Again, so it probably sounds similar to some of the werewolf games, but this is by far my favorite game in that genre because there's more things that you're doing with the cards. Um, It's not like straight up player elimination within like, you know, five, you know, 10 seconds. Somebody can be done and out of the game. Uh, There's actually some thinking. There's some strategy. There's some uh, it has all the goodness of those types of games but it makes it more of a game and gives people more agency in what they can do. And plus, this is a facade game. I love their Dark Cities series of games. Uh, They come in those little faux boxes. It looks like this old book. It closes magnetically. Uh, Really done well. I've I've, I've got some of their others, like uh, like the Hollywood game that just came out, Hollywood 1947, and the, the Bristol game that's about the plague. Uh, they do a lot, like you, like you mentioned, they do a good job of bringing in actual history and people that were there and there's stuff in the rule book that talks about the historical facts, letting you know about the people and the events. They, this game, like the others, do such a good job of helping you get into the the feelings and the fears that people feel around events like this. I mean, you're, yes, it's kind of silly when you go, I saw Goody Proctor with the devil, <laughs> you know, like in the crucible and you're making these accusations, but at the same time, you can kind of feel the fear and the same thing in mm. the, the Bristol game about the plague. My wife and I played that during, during COVID like, and that felt weird because it brings you into this world of uh, the, the Hollywood game is about the the Red Scare in Hollywood and the fear of communism. Like they really do a good job of a simple, very small game, but drawing you into the feelings and giving you enough historical facts to make you think about what was going on here. What are we yeah. doing as people? You know. So it's a lot of fun and it's really interesting and it really generates some good conversation. I feel like afterwards. Um, so yeah, really, really love this game. But you like. Have you played this one and you like Affliction better than this one or is this one you've no. not played? No, I've not played this one at all. In fact, I haven't played any of the the games in that series, uh, even though okay. I see them all the time. They're at Target or uh, Barnes and Noble. I see them all the time. 
I, I actually, the way you describe this makes me want to play it more. The way I've heard it described in the past hasn't, hasn't really drawn me in, but I think what you're getting at is it, it really plays on that hysteria piece of this Yes, and, and leans into that really well. Whereas affliction Salem, uh, 1692 deals more with the the uh, politicking part of things. I guess you know how can I benefit from this, and and how can I hurt you, and how can I, you know, get my plans to go through to again to benefit me or to or to make sure that you don't get what you need, and, and make sure that your people are going to jail, and uh, you know, putting I don't know, putting uh, falsehoods on on your people so yeah. it, it's it's more of a euroy style way of doing that and again dealing more with the the politics of that whereas yours is more of the amerithrashy uh, style of gameplay dealing with the hysteria of it so i think both of them would probably have a place i just haven't played this one before yeah, yeah and i'd like to play affliction too i didn't i didn't realize it was a work replacement game and the way you described that makes me want to to play that as well throw them on the pile we'll bring them and we'll yeah, we don't have a, we'll enough games. <laughs> Not at all. Um, <laughs> but but that was Dean's number 13, Affliction Salem 1692, which I hijacked there at the end. And my nope. number 12, Salem 1692. Yeah, good good stuff. Makes me want to play that. So my number yep. 12 is a going back to the party game style of things. This is a game that came out in 2015. That is Mysterium. And so in Mysterium, one player takes on the role of... This is a cooperative game. One player takes on the role of a ghost. And well, ish. It depends on what style that you play, I guess. Um, of whether or not, yeah, I, I, it all depends. But one player takes on the role of a ghost; the other person, people, take on the role of the mediums. And me as the ghost, I am giving you clues in your dreams, um, or in your, you know, connect connecting with the uh, the outer world, so that we can find out who a killer was. So it actually is a clue esque game where you're trying to figure out. Who was the killer? And where did this murder happen? And what weapon did they use? And I'm giving you dream cards so that you can figure out what is going on here. And I really enjoy this game. Now, we don't, uh, I have the uh, the US version of this. There's a couple different versions of this. Um, I play it where it's we're just trying to figure this thing out like what happened i guess there's other rules that you can play especially with the american version and it's like who figures this out first and all of that and and some of that i don't really like but the gameplay itself is a lot of fun one that we actually haven't played this in a while but in it, this used to be kind of a staple in our halloween gameplay collection last year instead of playing this we actually played rear window which is um, uh, not as Halloweeny, but it is. It does fall in that category and still has that same gameplay uh, to an extent. So anyway, this is it, it, Dixit style. If you play Dixit, it, it's kind of that that sort of game. Really like this one though. This one that stayed in my collection for years. I think I've had it since since it first release. That is Mysterium. So, curious, quick question. So. Why this one and not Paranormal Detectives? I know you probably talked about it in that um, review that you and John did years ago, but but I'm curious because they are similar games, but also still very different. Yeah, I don't. Part of it, I don't remember a ton about that Paranormal review. You can watch it on YouTube, Darren. That's you do it. You do the work. <laughs> do the homework yourself. I'm just kidding. 
I I just like the gameplay of this one. I think of just the card playing, and it and it really That's is right. a lot like again a lot like Dixit, where you're trying to figure things out. But I actually prefer this style of Mysterium to Dixit, even I think, even though I, I might want to play them back to back to figure that out. But I I just like that. I like the I I tend to overthink things in this game, and so if I'm the ghost, I often give terrible clues, and if I'm the the investigator i tend to overthink why they played this card on you know to give me a hint about where the you know where the gotcha. murder happened or whatever yeah uh, but it's still a lot of fun for me so okay gotcha yeah i, th- I think that i think that's probably why i like paranormal detectives better oh that was really creepy my door just opened on its own Ooh. as we're talking about these games about ghost uh I'm a little spooked now but i think that's why i like the paranormal detectives because there's multiple ways of conveying information um, yeah as opposed to the car. So that may be it. Okay. Yeah. There's cool. also Mysterium Park that came out for this one. Mysterium Kids that won the uh, Kinder Spiel, if I remember right. Um, so there's different versions of this one as well. I think Mysterium Park is probably one that I need to try. Uh, I've heard really good things about mm-hmm. that, maybe even as a replacement for Mysterium. But again, I haven't played it, so I don't know. Very cool. My number 12, Mysterium. All right. My number 11 is going to be higher on Dean's list. Sort of. So I'm just going to sit here and wait with the devil man while Dean continues his list. Uh, All right. My number, that's my number 11 then, right? I I have my, I have like seven different, no, a thousand (laughs) different tabs opened up. So I don't know. Yeah. My number 11 is a game that was talked about in the discord channel. Maybe it was one that was mentioned earlier it's a 2019 release, Horrified, by Prospero Hall, published by Robinsberger. And I'm speaking specifically of the OG Horrified using the, the classic monsters like Frankenstein's monster and the Bride of Frankenstein and Dracula and um, Creature from the Black Lagoon, all those. You didn't use your voice, blah, blah, I blah. didn't use my voice. <laughs> I was trying to go for a nerdy <laughs> Dracula voice. I don't know what that was, though. Um, who? Gus Chiggins. He loves Horrified. In blood. <laughs> <laughs> so in Horrified, this is a... I'm going to put this in the category of maybe a pandemic-esque game. It's not pandemic, and it's not even in that world. But I'm thinking if you want a comparison to what this is like, Horrified is more like pandemic where you are trying to defeat the different monsters. And this, it depends on how many monsters you have out there. And part of that depends on how many players you have and how many monsters you're fighting, but also the difficulty level that you want to play. You might have more monsters. uh, However you want to play this game. And I love that aspect of it, that it is, you know, it's kind of your choice. But you're basically walking around, picking up these different items along the way. The items have different number values and they also have different colors you're using those colors and the number values to be able to defeat the different monsters now it is very euroy in that aspect of set collection of, of picking up these items and and you can also uh move the uh you're trying to save these different villagers from getting attacked by the monsters and things like that uh for benefits to give you cards that benefit you along the way so there's more to it than just the set collection but the set collection is done really well and uniquely, I think, because each monster, it, it does feel different what you're trying to do to defeat the different monsters. So, for example, 
if I want to defeat Dracula, I have to destroy these different coffins before I can then go attack Dracula with a specific color of weapon. Same thing for Creature from the Black Lagoon. I'm having to uh, move this marker along, and I move the marker along by um, uh, by turning in these different colors and th- these different um, tokens that are different colors than what they are for Dracula. And you, werewolf is one of them, and I'm trying to find a cure for this werewolf, and, and then I can get the cure by, again, set collecting, and then shoving that cure in the the werewolf's face and saving his life, I guess, is is kind of the thematic nature there. But anyway, I love that there's different ways of doing it. It's not just straight up set collection, which is what you find in, you know, a normal game of of Pandemic, but it's really cool. I love this one and uh, one that tends to get a lot of love from the people I introduce it to as well. There's also, as mentioned earlier in the episode, different versions of this one. So this is the classic monsters, but there's also... The American, uh, what is it? American monsters, and then there's the Greek monsters that just came out. I've not played the Greek monsters, but I do have the American monsters. Both are fantastic, but if I'm looking specifically at the Halloween version, I would say the OG is where it's at. Yeah, I think I think the pandemic is a good comparison too. The first time I played this, I thought if you're teaching someone a game like that, I would much rather teach them horrified. Than pandemics. <laughs> I remember that, you know, when you're teaching pandemic to somebody, if they've never played like games before, hobby games, it's such a weird concept. But I feel like Horrified was a much smoother way of, of teaching some of those same types of mechanisms and that idea. Um, yeah, I like, I like You're probably this. right because it, it does. One, I think the, the play raids, the production, all of it is done yeah. really, really well. And it makes for a smooth teach in that. Um, and it just thematically, it just makes sense. The things that you're doing, like you're mm-hmm. taking an action to move and you're taking an action to, you know, usher a villager to this location where they'll be safe, that sort of thing. It, it all just makes complete sense. Yeah. And when that event card comes out and especially if it, uh, what is it? The, the enrage token, I forget whatever it is. Like, you know, one monster is going to activate, but then whoever has got the enrage token or the, yeah. Whatever, fury, we'll token? What fury it maybe it, it's it's a ball of fire. <laughs> That's yeah. all I know. And uh, yes, yeah, like things can just snowball really, really quickly. And uh, yeah, it's fun. That's cool. Good times, not good enough to be on Darren's list. But that no, is, is my not. number eleven. Horrified. Ten. Horrified. Eleven. What? Is, what is that? It is That's your cool. number eleven. My number eleven. Horrified. <laughs> Calm down, <laughs> Dean. Calm down. <laughs> Um, yep. Again, good game. Not, not one of my top 13. Um, my number 10, even better than horrified. This is a 2015 game, the bloody Inn. This is designed by Nicholas Robert art by Weberson Santiago. One of my favorites and Luis Francisco published by Pearl games, one to four players, 30 to 60 minutes, a very macabre card game where you are greedy, murderous innkeepers in a small French village in 1831. Everyone begins by controlling one room in the end, which is basically this one small board in the middle of the table. On your turn, you will draw one card from a face-up deck and decide which card or guest will go into which room, because everybody owns a room. Then you'll either bribe some of the guests to help you in your nefarious endeavors, like murdering people for money, or building annexes in order to bury those murdered people. Each guest that you're going to manipulate in some way requires a certain amount of cards to be played in order to recruit them or to kill them or to bury them. They also have some special abilities that you can use if you do use them in certain 
ways. And all of the different players are worth different amounts of money, again, which you only collect when you bury them. And you better hurry and bury them if you des- if you do decide to kill them because the police will show up as guests in your end. And if you have any unburied bodies and the police are around, then you have some really tough decisions to make. Do I kill the police? <laughs> do I do I bribe the police? Do I have to pay the grave digger to come by and, and bury the body for me really quickly? Um, it's, it's really good. It's really quick. You only have two actions per round. And I love the planning and the tough decisions that you have to make you know, which, which guest will go in which room? Who will that benefit? How can I get this body buried in time? Um, do I have a problem with my conscience and killing this person? <laughs> um, <laughs> looks like I got to kill the constable. You know, it's dark and quirky fun, um, but it's a lot of fun. Have you played the bloody Inn? No, I, I've always been fascinated by this game. And in fact, it's on the list of games that I really wish I would have played before making this list. The problem is, I think it's going to be a tough sell to get anyone to play this one with me. Uh, other that? than you. Um, <laughs> the theme is uh, dark, maybe. It, it is interesting <laughs> where we draw the lines on what is too dark, you know. But yes, it is definitely a dark theme. <laughs> I draw the line at murder. Oh, How about okay. that? There's, well, that's a good line. You're killing monsters and horrified. Well, some of them, not Frankenstein. You're like making, you know, love connections. And the werewolf, you're helping him out. That's true. But you're killing Creature Dracula. from the Black Lagoon, you're probably setting him free into the ocean. You know, there's <laughs> lots of... <laughs> it, it is a hard theme and, and bloody end for some. I get that. But Dracula had it coming. <laughs> uh, it hey, is a... Very so, dark, dark theme. Hey, the abbot had it coming. The constable had it coming. The the newsboy, he had it coming. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> that is my number 10, the bloody end. <laughs> my number 10 is going to be one that I can't talk about right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to wait till a little bit later before we get a chance. Ooh, back to me. My number nine, as we creep up this list, get it creep, is one that was on my top 50 you, What'd list. you call me? <laughs> that's pretty quick witted it's unusual um my number nine was my uh number 40 on my top 50 of all time it was one that i debated on taking off the list because i'd already talked about it um you know and, it, and it, it's such really a, a train and euro game anyway but it does evoke that kind of creepy dread that i'm looking for in a game around this time of year this is australia which was, again, a 2018 game designed by Martin Wallace, art by James Colmer, published by Stronghold Games, one to four players, 30 to 120 minutes. It can be quicker. It can be longer, (laughs) depending on what the old ones decide to do. Again, train Euro game with Cthulhu. Semi-cooperative, route building, action retrieval in this alternate 1930s. You know, you're adventurers exploring Australia, and unfortunately, you find the old ones hiding in the outback. You know, I've talked about this before. You're using cubes to delay track and gather resources and, and hire military and do all these things. Uh, but really, the main thing you're spending to take actions is time. And you're you're creeping around the outback, trying to avoid waking up the old ones. But once everyone has spent 22 units, the old ones wake up anyway, and they start attacking and moving and walking towards you. And that's where the dread comes in in this game. If you're, It's like you're out there working in the fields, laying track, gathering your phosphate, and oh, a zombie pops up in the high grass. Oh, look, it's an old one whose name I can't pronounce. Um, and they start lumbering towards you. That's 
what this game brings, I think, during this time of year. It's almost, for me, it makes, I know it's not the same. It makes me think of like War of the Worlds. Like you're, you're, mm. you've got these armies and you're totally outmatched and you're taking on these monsters, but, but that's what you're doing. And the, and the game is going to end, you know, uh, when everyone passes the, the 53 time marker on the track or when a player's port is destroyed, uh, which happens quite, quite often <laughs> again, solo, it can be fully cooperative, primarily semi-co-op. Uh, this is a lot of fun. I still enjoy this game. I need to play it more. Hmm. Yep. there we go i got nothing i got nothing well if if, again i highly recommend it if you are a euro gamer or a train gamer but not really into the whole halloween creepy theme this is a good mix to kind of get you into that world but still give you what you want in a in a good heavy game um that can be totally random so yep that is my number nine australia yeah i want to say good pick because it is a really good game it's not on my list uh you know, if we're looking strictly at scores, this would be on my list for sure. But it doesn't feel very Halloweeny to me. But I get exactly what you're saying, and I don't fault you for having it on your list. Cthulhu is coming for your soul. All right, my number <laughs> nine is a newer game. Came out in 2022. Uh, although I don't know if it came out in the U.S. until this year. I can't remember now. I think it just came out this year. That is Mist Over Carcassonne. This is a Klaus Jurgen Reed uh, design, just like Carcassonne. This is a cooperative version of Carcassonne, which I think is really cool and very unique. And I don't want to give too many pieces away in this because I, I, I want to recommend this game because I think it's a lot of fun. Even if you're not into the Halloween theme, it's just a really fun version of Carcassonne. But... It is campaign-esque in the sense that you're kind of unlocking things as you go, and I don't want to spoil those pieces of it, but the basic game is kind of like, it is it is Carcassonne, but you are building cities together, and you're trying to get a certain point threshold before losing the game. One of the big ways that you can lose the game is by getting overrun by the ghost, and I think that's really unique, because as you put out tiles, ghosts are going to be coming out. And if you can ever, if you ever get to the point where you can't add ghost because there's no more in the supply, then you're going to lose the game. And I, I think that's pretty interesting because you have to make decisions. Do I want to close this city for the points or do I want to close it for removing ghosts? There's other ways to remove ghosts, but that's one of the ways. And also the way that you place the tile makes sure that you don't place as many ghosts out on the board. And so I, I really like that aspect of it. I think it's really unique and a lot of fun. You know, some people might think I don't need a cooperative version of Carcassonne. For me and my wife, though, we've really enjoyed that. We really like cooperative games in general, and we both love Carcassonne. And so this was a great fit. It also has some thematic pieces to it, which is interesting and why it makes my Halloween list, especially as you start to unlock more things. There's even more ghouly, ghostly things that are going to happen. So. That's Mist Over Carcassonne, my number nine. Big hit for us in our family. Probably one that we're yeah. going to play on, maybe on my birthday. Uh, that might be one of the games that we get played. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing this with with Cindy as well. Um, Carcassonne was one of the first games we ever played together way back early on when we when we first got married, like about when the game first came out. And it, it quickly became one I could not play with her anymore because she was so competitive. Like we'd, 
we would fight. You know, we would play this mm. one. She would win, but she was very competitive. She was very good. But uh, but this one being cooperative, I'm looking forward to playing this one with her because now we can be on the same team and I can ride her coattails because she is really good at, at stuff like this. There so, you go. Yep. Yeah, it's a fun game. Fun game. I, we haven't even played through all of it, so I can't comment on that. But I've played it a lot. It's just we we've lost some, so we've had to go back and play those again. Cool, cool. Well, my number eight is also higher on Dean's list, sort of. So I'll just pick at this unusual bite on my arm while I wait. <laughs> All right. My number eight is a, another cooperative game, which you're going to see that a lot. A lot of the games that are on my list are cooperative games because I like working together. Not all of them, but a lot of them are games that you're working together to defeat the great evil <laughs> or maybe even the great old one. And that's the case in this one. And that is Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu, which is Pandemic with a twist. I like this one for a lot of different reasons. One, it does feel thematic. You're going around Arkham and you are defighting, you're fighting against these cultists while also trying to close these gates to keep the, the great old one from entering in. Because if you get to the last card in the line of all the monsters that are coming into play, then you're going to lose the game. And that's that's a, an interesting, unique way to lose Pandemic. Uh, it feels very different from Pandemic, but it also feels exactly the same as Pandemic at the same time because you are collecting cards and uh, turning in those cards at different locations to close the gate. So that part is just like Pandemic. But you're flipping over cards where negative things happen and monsters come out. That's different. You don't have the outbreaks like you do in Pandemic and other things will happen. Um which I think is unique. And in fact, a lot of people will say, and I agree with them, that this is a simpler version of Pandemic uh, because the map is a little bit different too. And it's easier to get around this map than it is the world map, which uh, I would hope so. You know, it should be easier to travel across one town than to <laughs> than to travel across the world. And it, and it is in this one. Um, so yeah, and, and you don't, you also, the cards are only a section of the town. It's not like, you know, a city card with a different color for the region. This is actually, you know, you have green cards and all the green cards are exactly the same, but they correspond to the different, all the different areas in that location. You just might take a bus to get over to that location. It's interesting, simpler, really like this one, but that's because I really like Pandemic in general. If you don't like Pandemic, I don't think this changes for you at all, unless you think Pandemic pandemic is way too complicated. I need something simpler this might actually fall in that category, although it's not like crazy amounts simpler than than Pandemic. This is a version I want to play, uh, really, really bad. It's like this one and and the Rome one, I think, are the are the two other Pandemic series that I would like to play. But again, primarily because of Cthulhu, I'm really curious how this would how this works out. Yeah, I have really. I don't always love the spinoff games, but the Pandemic ones they are the exception. I love. Fall of Rome. I love this one. I love the Star Wars, uh, Clone Wars one, whatever that yeah, one's called. Yeah, that's really it's good. fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. So this one, this one might not be my favorite, but the production quality of this one—I didn't mention that—the production quality of Reign of Cthulhu is fantastic. The mm -hmm. art is really well done. You've got little cultist miniatures. All your characters are their own little miniatures. You have the Shogath miniatures, which are like the um, big 
not the big, big baddies, but they're the baddies that are on the board that you have to deal with as well. So you also have to deal with going insane in this one, which I think is cool. <laughs> insane in the membrane. Insane in the brain. All right. That That's is awesome. Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu. My number eight. Eight. Very good. Uh, my number seven is another one that was part of my top 50. My number 22 to be exact. This is a 2022 game. My Father's Work. Designed by T.C. Petty III, love, and uh, art by several several artists, published by Renegade Game Studios, two to four players, 180 minutes <laughs> or longer. Um, it is a long game. It is app-driven, worker placement, storytelling. Again, you are the mad scientist, kind of Frankenstein style, where you're playing through three different generations, three different rounds. It's worker placement. You're moving around the board building up your estate, gathering resources, trying to perform these experiments. And at the end of the round, you're handing that down to the next generation for the next round, but only so much can be handed down. And you're doing all this, you're getting coffins and bodies and animal corpses and stuff to make these experiments happen. And if the people found out about it, you're getting too creepy. And uh, there's like a, like you have a, a creepy track where you're moving down it. And then the, the townspeople are moving down it. And if those two ever crossed, then you got to go to church <laughs> to get rid of your creepiness. Uh, just very, very thematic. A whole lot of fun. The app, again, primarily does all the, the storytelling for you. It keeps up with the decisions you make, which changes some of the stories. There's different branches and narratives you can play, like totally different scenarios. And within each of those scenarios, it will evolve in different ways. It's crazy cool production. I've said it before. Just everything about this game. Um, is top notch. Rule books okay, but everything else is top notch. And like I, I've said it again, I'll, I'll say it again. It's as if Mansions of Madness were a worker placement Euro game. It's so much fun. You've got to play this. I definitely do. I, I really want to try this one based on your what you've said about this game in the past and right now. But the problem is, I've heard so many negative things about other pieces of it. The the really lengthy reading of the story. Again, we learned in this episode that I hate reading in board games. Well, here's the deal. We'll play it together. Half of the reading is done for you. The other half, I'm not sure why only half of it is. The other half, I'll be happy to read. Um, it's it's too good not to. Would you be happy to summarize the reading? Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, they hate you. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right. Well, that is, that's a good pick, Darren. I'm, I'm interested to to try that one. What's the name of it again? That is my number seven, My Father's Work. There we go. Now, this goes straight into my number seven, which is Abomination, the heir of Frankenstein. Uh, Franken... Yes, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) So this game is really, the way I would describe it is the same things that you used to describe yours, although this one's not as in-depth. This one very much is more, well, I'm saying more Euro-y, you just described my father's work as being Euroy, but this doesn't have all of the, you've got the flavor text in the, in this one. And you actually have the branching pieces of this one as well. This is like Plat Hat tends to do. This has some feelings of some of the crossroad games from, uh, from Plat Hat games. Although this one does not fit into that world. I mean, I'm double checking that to make sure, but it is not a crossroads game. Mm-hmm even though it does have some of those elements of it where you're going back to the rule book and, and reading the flavor text from there and, you know, kind of branching things that can happen. 
But you are going around collecting body parts and trying to animate this this monster. That's that's really the gist of what you're trying to do. Now, I recommend playing with the Igor variant of this one, which makes the game go faster. Because one of the big complaints that John and I had when we did the review. No, no, it's Igor. I, sorry. <laughs> I made the Frankenstein reference and then butchered the other swing and a miss go ahead please continue i'm sorry speaking of butchering you're going around collecting body parts and animating your monster but again going back to the igor variant where you uh start off with a couple of body parts already it basically starts you off in a in a better position and it it makes some of the rules a little bit easier less fiddly i guess um, especially as you go to animate the the complete body so i recommend that version of it Again, John and I had some complaints when we did the review of this of the time length of the game, and that fixes those issues. So really fun game. That's Abomination. Not for everybody. The The cards are pretty grotesque. There's there's some pretty gross artwork on this one. If you have a problem with that, this is not your game for sure, because I, there's not really any way of getting away getting away from that. There's the same things that, you know, you're talking about. There's murder that can happen in this game. There's executions that can happen. And you, you kind of hope that certain people get executed because then you get to <laughs> harvest their body parts. And that's gross, right? But that is the theme of this game. Abomination, the heir of Frankenstein. Frankenstein. The, the one thing I think both of our games are missing are probably Frau Brewer. Yes. No, you didn't do it. You're supposed to go. <laughs> oh, man, you're right. I just watched that last year, too, and I sh- it should be more fresh on my mind than what it is. But I'll yeah, watch it call. every year. It's one of my favorite Halloween movies to watch. <laughs> it's so good. Fra- All right, what you got? Fra Bruher. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, again, Young Frankenstein is the movie that we've been referencing this this whole time. If you've not, If you've not seen it, you need to. It's classic Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder. So good. What is also so good, but nothing to do with what we've been talking about is my number six, which I don't know if I consider this a cheat. If there was anything on my list that feels like a cheat, it would be this one. It's another one of my top 50 games. My number three to be exact, but it's a conglomeration. This is unmatched, specifically Cobble and Fog, which came out in 2020. Buffy the Vampire Slayer also came out in 2020. And this is one particular character, not a set, but this one character, Bloody Mary, which is part of the Battle of Legends Volume 2 that came out in 2021. Um, This is so good. These characters are so good in these sets. Uh, Again, Unmatched, designed by Rob Davio, Justin Jacobson, and many, many others. Uh, Art by many, many wonderful artists. Uh, The art in these things are top-notch, particularly in these sets, these characters. Buffy, maybe, but especially Colin Fogg and Bloody Mary, some of the best art in, in all of these. Uh, the, I think Bloody Mary might be my favorite art in, in this. Uh, it's close. It's just really cool. It's definitely the most horrific. It is. Like, it no is. No question. Um, it's really, really gory. The Dracula stuff and Cobble and Fog is really good too. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But again, published by Restoration Games, two to four players, 20, 40 minutes. Uh, hand management, tactical skirmish game. You've heard us talk about this. Amazing sculpts and minis. The Cobble and Fog set has Sherlock Holmes with Watson as his, as his homie. Uh, The Invisible Man, which has some smoke tokens, Uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and Dracula, whose art, again, is very horrific and gory. And him and the the sisters are his 
uh, sidekicks in in this one. I guess it's wives. There's three of them, so it kind of fits the bill. Um, Buffy, again, you've got. Uh, you were a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, weren't you? The movie. I never watched the series, but my <gasps> wife, my wife liked the series, and I I should pick up. I don't I actually don't have this wow. version of it. Okay. Uh, although I think she would probably enjoy it if I did do that. If she liked the series, she really would. It's not the most like spectacular from a gameplay, but if you have an affinity for the series, then yeah, it's a lot of fun because you've got Buffy who can play with the Giles or Xander, and then there's Willow and Tara. No, no spoilers there, but I want to say um, with if if somebody gets damaged there, something happens to Willow, and it's really dark. And interesting. You've got Angel and Faith and Spike and Drusilla. Uh, it's really interesting if you're into the if you're into the series. So much better than the movie. And then Bloody Mary, like we mentioned, the art is crazy. Her sculpt is nuts. She's like coming out of the window. Um, it's her sculpt. It's uh, it is super creepy. Just love the thematic elements of the characters in this game. Restoration continues to do an amazing job of bringing out the the feeling of characters and just a, a deck of cards. Like Sherlock has this weird deal where he can like guess the cards in your hand. Uh, Dracula gains health when he sucks your blood, shocker, and uh, and can actually use his thrall to tell you what cards to play like in combat. And Bloody Mary has lots of actions that revolve around the number three. It's just super cool and clever and very Halloween-y, you know, if that makes sense. Have you played with any of the other um, sets? You said not Buffy. What about Cobble and Fog and, yeah. and Bloody Mary? Okay. Yeah, I've played with all the other ones. Just the just the other no. one is not. And, okay. you know, Unmatched was a top, I don't know, it's top 50 for sure, maybe even like 25 or somewhere around there, somewhere in my 20s, yeah. I think. So I really like the game. It just didn't feel like it fit in this category at all for me, but right, I don't right. fault you for having this on, on your list. When you play with those characters, it definitely fits. Like I look forward to playing with this, this group of characters um, during this time of year. It's perfect. 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 It, part of the reason why I didn't put welcome Two on my list. Um, I really like the Halloween version of it, but the game itself, I guess is I was looking at the overall picture, but that was just a me choice. Gotcha. Yeah. I thought about that. I and mean, with a match being so collectible and, you know, system based as it is. I thought, yeah, it's, it's worth the, it's worth the gamble. So that is my number six, Unmatched, Cobble and Fog, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Bloody Mary. My number six is a, harkens back to Darren's number 11, which we have not talked about yet, but we're going to talk about my number six, which is Betrayal at House on the Hill versus Darren's number 11, which was Betrayal Legacy. Legacy. Yep, yep. So in this game, the gist of it is you're traveling through, you're going through a haunted mansion collecting things, and you don't really know what you're doing at first, at least <laughs> in, in Betrayal, the, the regular yeah. game. You're just exploring, and you're trying to collect as much stuff as you can, because at some point, the haunt's going to happen, and when the haunt happens, somebody, well, it's not always this case, but a lot of times, somebody's going to be a betrayer, and then everybody's out to get you. Sometimes that is really cool, and sometimes it is really creepy what is happening. I don't want to spoil a lot of things about this, but just, you know, there's a lot of different routes this can go. It can go in, like, with, you know, horror film-esque things. It can go with the alien-type things. It can go with, you know, in lots of different directions, and and it has. It really has. Um, you mentioned Baba Yaga. It's the, the, that same <laughs> sort of thing that happens in this game and in one of the right. scenarios that we played. So. I love that aspect of it. I will say this. 
I have the, not the newest version. I've got the second edition, I think. I think the newest one is the third edition. Mm -hmm. It can also be a little wonky. Um, If you're playing this because you want it to be a completely balanced experience, run away from this game. Don't go, don't get this game at all. It is not that. But it is fun, and you're playing for the experience, and we still tell stories. Uh, Years after we've played some of these scenarios of how hard we laughed or how, you know, something crazy that happened that was just, you know, uh, it just it's just a really cool experience and that's why I enjoy this game. But I've always wanted to try Betrayal Legacy, but I also don't want to spend $1000 on it. So <laughs> it, it wasn't $1000 when it was in print. So just yeah. so you know. Um it used to be really affordable. You might could find it somewhere. And it's it's really neat. It's it's the same thing, but you've got 13 chapters oddly enough. And each scenario, each chapter begins with, you know, that they build on each other. Not I won't spoil anything. I don't think it's spoilers to say that you will, you kind of take on the role. Can I even say that? You take on the role of a quick, if you don't want to hear any kind of mild spoiler, then just tune out for like 30 seconds. You take on the role of a family and you will carry the legacy of your family throughout the 13 chapters. And so you continue to be descendants of your you know original character. And so the stories that can emerge from that are a lot of fun. Each chapter, you're going to introduce new tiles, new cards, new stickers, new types of things. And some things, because it's legacy, you'll sticker things and you'll add two things. And as stuff continues to come up and resurface, the stories that have emerged around that item or that person are really exciting. You know, we had so many, I'll play this with, with a group last year. We had so many stories and running jokes and laughs and things that happened from this. Like you said, it's it's not perfect, but the experience and the stories that it creates, we still talk about. It's so much fun. Um, yes, these games can be pretty dark, but I don't think they take themselves too seriously. It's a, it's a good, creepy, creepy fun while yet dark um, experience. Yeah, so good. And when you're done with the Legacy game, you have your very own unique version of Betrayal that you can continue to play. So it's really all you need. So if that helps you spend the thousands of dollars on it, um, kind of like the the legacy game of what is it now? Ticket to Ride. You know, it's quite an expensive game, but you have your own unique version of Ticket to Ride when you're done with the legacy part of it. So if that helps justify the cost, it's good. For me, it doesn't. I don't need a unique version of a game. <laughs> <laughs> well, there I'm totally you go. Fine with. Although I would like to play, uh, I would like to play Betrayal Legacy at some point. The thing I really like, uh, there's lots of things I like about this game, but one of the big pluses is that it is a three to six player game. Um, and so whenever we get together for my birthday, we typically have three couples that are playing games together. And so having a six player game is a big plus. Now, Betrayal Legacy is only to five players, it looks like, but potato, tomato, as they say. <laughs> That's but right. Anyway, that is my no. number six, Betrayal and, House on the Hill, and Darren's 11, Betrayal Legacy. Yep, yep. My number five, which is where we are now, correct? Correct. My number five was also one of my top 50 games. My number eight, to be exact, this is Vagrant Song, which came out in 2022, designed by Matt Carter, Justin Gibbs, Cal Rowan, art by Nguyen My Dim, published by Weird miniatures two to four players 45 to 120 minutes again this is the cooperative story driven campaign game where you are vagrants on a ghost train fighting them haints 
trying to restore their humanity. And Gus Chickens may even show up from time to time. I don't know. <laughs> it's nailed <possible>. it. <laughs> um, again, we've talked about this before. Dungeon crawling boss battler. Uh, you've got the campaign. Each scenario you play is different because the haint you're going to take on is different. You've you've got this character with special abilities and actions that you can take, but some actions you can only take, uh, you can't take in consecutive rounds because some of them are pretty powerful. And you've got multiple ways in between scenarios to to get more abilities and take on broken junk and all these things you're trying to do is help. You're not just fighting monsters. You are trying to restore the humanity of these haints. You're trying to help these ghosts, in a sense, move on. And you've got some bag building and pulling and then a really interesting uh, system for how the, the, the haint will move based on where it is on the board and what tokens you're pulling out of the bag and what mood that the haint is in. It's so clever. It is so fun, and the art is crazy good with that whole old-timey rubber band, Betty Boop-style art, and the acrylic standees are amazing. Um, it's just really, really fun. The campaign is amazing. I've not gone all the way through, but it's really good where I am so far. And there's even some expansions that are about... Uh, actually, it, it's got some expansions on Kickstarter that I think will wrap up the day before this episode drops, the Encore and Off the Rails expansions. But I, I did end up getting some of that as well. Ooh, I thought you might. It's interesting I, they, I they ended the campaign on the 12th and not Friday the 13th. Yeah, it's real unfortunate. I was hoping it would last, but nope. But yeah, Vagrant You could probably still back it if you want to, is my guess. There'll be some pledge manager stuff. You can go in and, and find it here in a month or so. They'll probably open that up. But I know this is one that you've played and you like, but you got rid of, you big loser. Nope, I didn't get rid of it. I still have it. I, I was going to oh, give it another you, shot. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I haven't hadn't a chance to play it yet, but I'm hoping to play it sometime this season. I think it's interesting that you this is this is the difference between old man Darren and the young whippersnappers. <laughs> you said it uses Betty Boop style art, whereas you know, somebody under the age of ninety would have probably said Cuphead. Yeah, but, but Cuphead's a poser. Okay. All right. <laughs> Cuphead is really hard, by the way. The video game. Really fun game, but it stresses me out like no other game I've played, maybe. I've not played it, but I have watched some of the cartoon episodes. Now, that's a dark cartoon. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. And so is the video game. It's it's gotcha. the dark world. Gotcha. All right. With well, cutesy art. <laughs> this is the cutesy dark game, my number five, Vagrant Song. Speaking of cutesy art game, Cthulhu Death May Die. <laughs> It's not perfect. Not not that at all. This is by two of my favorite designers. My one of my favorite designer. He is my favorite designer. That's Eric Lang and Rob Davio. And also from Come On Games. This is a game inspired by the HP Lovecraft, which is, you know, you're gonna see a lot of Lovecraftian type games on this list. 1920s investigators that are going around. It's a little bit different because in some of these games like Pandemic. Reign of Cthulhu, you're trying to prevent the the great old ones from coming into existence. But in this game, nope, you want them to come because you want to destroy them permanently. You want to take <laughs> them out. You want to punch them in the nose. And it is not easy because the great old ones are, in fact, great, difficult things to defeat. And so in this one, 
I played this recently at, at Chuck Con. I taught some people and this is, I said, you know, hopefully I didn't ruin it for them. One of the things that is negative that can happen is if you, if, if you have a character that dies before the great old one comes out, then you lose the game. And that's what happened to us in that game. That doesn't always happen. In fact, I would say most of the time that doesn't happen. Usually you get beat whenever you're fighting the great old one. You almost always get beat in this game though. It's really difficult to destroy the great old one is not easy. Uh, because you're having to defeat it and then defeat it again, then defeat it again, then defeat it. It's it's tough. It's really tough, but it's still a lot of fun. The gameplay is is interesting. There's lots of different scenarios. There's a season two, and then they had another season Kickstarter that came out this past year. I did not back that because I don't think I need everything for this game. I'm content with just playing the different seasons. In fact, I haven't played through even all the scenarios uh, that's out in existence right now. So I don't need everything yet, although I still really like this game. That is Cthulhu Death May Die. I would like to play this at at some point. I'm really excited about the new game. They are that Simon is about to well, they say coming soon, have a Kickstarter for, and that is Cthulhu Dark Providence, I believe, which is supposed to be set in this Cthulhu Death May Die world, but is actually a retooling of the old. Uh, studying Emerald, Martin Wallace game. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, again, it's, no, it's not quite the same thing, but it's supposed to be in this universe. I'm hoping that maybe to get in on the front end of that to, to be my entry into this into this world, because right now trying to pick up these games is pretty pretty steep on the old on the old pocketbook. But, but yeah, yeah it's like I a lot of fun. I actually have, what was the name of the game again? Um, a Study in Emerald? Yeah, Study in Emerald that you just said. I actually have the second edition of that game that has yet to get played uh i've had it for a while now i need to get it i need to get it to the table it's 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 a weird style of game though so i don't it's a little more difficult but it's a martin wallace game who's a designer that i really enjoy as well yep yep that was kind of the the prequel to the australia game that i mentioned earlier so that's right curious to see how they take that and in, in intro it into this death may die world so that'll be fun yep but that is Cthulhu Death May Die, my number f- four. Five. Five. Ah, I was getting my numbers <laughs> so wrong. close. I was, almost got over to that list in time. All right. <laughs> my number five. My number four was lower on Dean's list. Uh, this is it was his number 10. This was a top 50 game for me, number 36. And that is Dead of Winter, a crossroads game designed by Isaac Vega, Jonathan Gilmore, published by Plaid Hat. And two to five players, 60 to 120 minutes. And like we've mentioned before, this is The Walking Dead, the board game. 100%. Yep, no question. Semi-co-op zombie survival, where there may or may not be a traitor among you. And that's one of my favorite parts. At the very beginning, when you're shuffling up those roll cards and you deal them out, one of them is a traitor, and, but you always have more cards than you need when you deal them out. And so you just don't know who you can trust. And again, still very much a Euro game, but also very creepy because, you know, you're going out to the different colonies, trying to gather resources to feed your colony. And every time you go out, you've got to roll the dice or roll the die to see if you get bit by a zombie or if you get frostbite or whatever. And if you get bit and you're with other people, then that bite can spread. There's there's lots of dice rolling, so it has that random element. But you also have these event cards that you're trying to collect resources for to satisfy. Like an event card may say you need so much food per survivor on the board. And so everybody has to contribute food. You got to go find food. You got to contribute it by putting cards face down into a common deck. 
And at the end of the round, you count up those cards. And if you don't have enough food, then someone is a liar and they are a cheater and a traitor and bad things will happen. People will starve. And so from moment one, you're distrusting everybody and you can even vote people out of the colony and watch them die out in the, in the frozen tundra. Uh, again, we're talking about some earlier games that evoke that feeling of the hysteria, the fear and all that. And this game does that really well wrapped up in a Euro game. Uh, man, I love this so much. I cannot play it enough. So much drama and tension. And those story games, the cross the crossroad story cards that add that element, those moral decisions. Are you going <laughs> to, are you going to bring these people into your colony and try to feed them? Or are you going to let them starve? Hmm. This game is amazing. You're absolutely right. I, I love it. It's uh, shadows of Camelot is another game that's in that mm. um, same vein that I really enjoy. This is the game I mentioned earlier that Steven will not play. He's played this game before, but it's the betrayer part that he doesn't love when you're having to like figure it out. Right. It's hard. Uh, he actually, funny enough, he loves Betrayal at House on the Hill, I think anyway. I don't know if love is a strong word, but but really enjoys it, I think. But I would love to get Dead of Winter played on my birthday. I just don't know if it's going to happen. <laughs> Nobody cares about my birthday. I'll come down special just so we can play this game on your birthday. <laughs> just kidding. Also, we, again, have six players, and this is a five. this is a five-player game, so it does make it a little bit more difficult. But, whoa, what a fun game. This is so, a fun game. Someone can go play Final Girl over in the corner. It's just a solo game anyway. And then the other five of you can play. There you go. There you go. <laughs> speaking of what, speaking of Dead of Winter, what do you get when you cross a vampire and a snowman? No Frostbite. <laughs> my my voice is fading, by the way. It's, it's uh, getting the, worse. The, accent, the accent's getting, getting worse, worse as the episode's getting, going along. So we better better scoot along. Let it die. Up. <laughs> get to my number t- four, not 24. Get to my number four. That is another g- great old one game. This is another, you know, HP Lovecraftian game. This is a grander scale, though. This is Eldritch Horror. This came out in 2013. And it's another fantasy flight game, which is, you're going to see that in a lot of these uh, Lovecraftian games. Was it a cooperative game where you are going around again trying to defeat this big monster together? And there's different monsters that you can play against, and so there's different ways of doing that. But essentially, what you're doing is you're going around collecting different items at different locations. You're getting clues, which is again another HP Lovecraft games typically kind of follow some of these same guidelines i guess and we'll get to that in another game that we talk about later getting clues and using those clues to do stuff and that's exactly what you're doing in this game uh it's it's different though it plays out differently it is a dice chucker um as you're battling the different monsters you're going to be rolling dice and you're doing these different um oh what's the word i'm looking for where, where you have these different um uh, not objectives that you're trying to do. Oh my goodness, my mind just went blank. I'm getting a little bit tired, apparently. Um, but you like when you have to do these uh, dice checks. I guess there we go. Your your skill check. Skill checks. There we go. You're doing your skill checks through dice rolling. So different characters that you have have different abilities. This one's really fun. I wasn't sure if I would like this one, 
but I always heard so many good things about it over the years. So last year was the first year, the first time that I got to play this one. Steve O'Rourke, thankfully, was able to find this at an auction for a really good deal. And so I got him to pick that up for me and send it down to Tennessee. And I'm really glad he did because I've really enjoyed my plays of this one. Fantastic game. Fits in that category very well. It's very thematic, except it's on a grander scale than something like Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu or the Arkham Horror-esque games. That is Eldritch Horror. This is one I want to play. I've not played before. Um, I hear it's lots of fun dice rolling. So I'm down. I'm down for dice rolling and Cthulhu pretty much any time. It is. It's a long game, though. I'll say that um, on BGG, it says two to four hours, and that's pretty accurate. Um, I say that, unfortunately, but it's it's OK because it's you feel immersed in this game whenever you're playing it. So for me, it's OK, but you know, you might not even finish it in one setting. A lot of times I'll we'll oh, wow. play it and then just come back to it at some other point. Well, my number three, um, that was your number four, Eldritch Horror. My number three is another game that makes you feel immersed in a world. This is another one of my top 50 games, number 21 overall. This game came out in 2018. This is Nemesis. Designed by Adam Kapinski uh, with several artists and sculptors because the miniatures and things are amazing. Uh, published by Awaken Realm, so big, grand production. Plays one to five players, 90 to 180 minutes. Alien, the board game. I, I feel all my games are like something the board game. It's a movie, it's a TV show. Love the thematic, cinematic board game, especially for this time of year. Uh, again, semi co op because there's a potential traitor in there, kind of, sort of. Because everybody has these different objectives and, you know, you're going around the ship. It has this exploration idea where you're moving from room to room. When you move to a room, you don't know what it is. You flip over the tile and you see what's there. And so there's got that exploration when you're moving through corridors. It's got this noise mechanism where you are, you know, uh, creating noise as you move. And if you make too much noise, you've got to draw into a bag and where you're pulling out aliens. And depending on what you pull out, some really terrible things can happen. And when the first alien appears, see, at the beginning of the game, everybody starts with two objective cards. And when that first alien appears, you now have to decide which objective card you're going to keep. And oftentimes they conflict with what others are doing. It might be bring back a specimen of the alien or send this ship to Mars or whatever it may be. And all these things can affect the, the wind conditions of everybody else. There's lots of stuff going on here. But it, again, it evokes that feeling. If you've ever watched the Alien movie where they wake up on this ship and uh, spoilers, there's aliens on board and, oh, boo. and and the company is behind it all. There's always some kind of power hungry political intrigue that's greed that's driving, you know, this this force that is counteracting what is good for humanity. And so it is, again, it evokes those feelings where you're having to choose. Am I going to be this kind of person, this kind of player and screw everybody over? Or am I going to do what's best for, for the people on this ship? Again, so so cinematic, so fun. I just, I just keep loving these potential trader stick your friends in the back game. Look out <laughs> friends. <laughs> It's a great pick. I should have had this on my list. And again, I haven't played this one in, in several years. Uh, since the first year it came out, I guess. And 
I have very fond memories of this game. I just haven't played it since then. And so if I were to play this game this year, I, I have no doubt that it would not only be on my list, but probably up here this high is, is my guess. But it was just really difficult for me to put that on there. Um, and I know a lot of people wouldn't put it on a list like this because, you know, some scenarios can go wonky. It can go weird. You can draw the queen in the very first room and things go really south really fast yeah, uh, or sideways really fast. No offense, those of you from the south. I'm in the south. Uh, but, you know, bad things can happen and scenarios can can tank really quickly. But that's kind of characteristic to a lot of these types of games. Dead of Winter, Betrayal at House on the Hill. But you just kind of have to be okay with some of that and know that not every experience will be perfect, but there's going to be some amazing ones. And for me, that counter counterbalances any of the ones that um, aren't ideal. So, I mean, you know, if you're on a spaceship with aliens, it's very <laughs> possible that the room that you're walking into has the worst of all the aliens. So exactly. <laughs> you can't control that. They're you just, can't. they are where they are. You know, when things don't go your way, oh, well, that's kind of life, especially when you're floating in space. So yeah, love it, love it, love it. My number three, Nemesis. Great pick. My number three, you're going to get a twofer right now. You're going to get my number three and Darren's number two. Ooh. Two, two, two games in one. Actually, it's only one game in one, but you're getting two picks in one. That is Arkham Horror, the card game. This is a game that came out in 2016, again, in that Arkham Horror universe by, you guessed it, Fantasy Flight Games, <laughs> and a bunch of designers on this one, Nate French and uh, Maxine Newman, Matthew Newman. This game is uber, uber thematic, where you are, it's an LC, LCG, it's a living card game where you are, you have this deck of cards representing your character, and your character is going to have a special ability. Also, the cards are very different in my deck than, not all of them, but there's going to be different cards in my deck that are going to be different from yours you're using those cards for um putting them out for items for having allies for um helping boost your skill checks that you're going to have each character is going to have different skills that they're better at than others but then ultimately you're going to be drawing from the bag of doom it's the worst <laughs> bag in the world because it really it's always, is it's a bunch of bad stuff happening oh. so it's not typically it's not boosting your skills usually it's really hurting your skills and making bad stuff happen. But you're trying to go through these different scenarios by going around collecting clues, using those clues to to move the story along at a at a rate that you want it to go so that bad stuff isn't happening, but good stuff is happening for your favor. So that's the gist of this game. But again, uber thematic. You love this one even more than I do, Darren. Yeah, that's why it's my number two on this list and not my number three. My number six overall on my top 50. And I'm just fascinated by what they can do with a deck of cards. When you play these yeah. different scenarios, the core game is great. And there's lots of expansions and one-off scenarios and campaign boxes and all these things. And you don't have to have it all. But man, if you do, you've got a lot of fun there. And how they can make, I'm not going to spoil anything, but some of the locations you find yourself in and how you interact with those locations, whether that be, you know, in some type of vehicle or in some type of portal in another world or, or in a home, it's, ah, I'm just, I'm blown away. And you're right. That, that is an accursed bag. I hate it so much, but it's kind of fitting. <laughs> you know, it is, it is very yeah. fitting. The, the stories, the character development, and as you can build your deck, again, not my favorite part, 
It's one of the few times where I like kind of constructing a deck, going from scenario to scenario, trying to figure out what's going to best suit me. You get allies. Sometimes you lose allies because some monster will jump across a table and rip their throat out. Oh, well, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, it's uh, you can die in these like your character can die. Like, all right, well, yeah. that character's done. You know, it's um, I just love how it builds. It's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's also, you know, besides just the gameplay, there's interesting decisions and forks in the road right. that you can take. You know, do you want to do this thing or do you want to do this thing? And that will shape what's going to happen in the scenario that you're playing. Or, you know, if y- you do something in this scenario and you know, good or bad, some of those things are are going to carry over and affect you in the future. And I really think that's cool. Similar to like a Robinson Crusoe, I guess, you know, when, you know, a monster comes out or a, a tiger yeah. comes out or whatever, it might not affect you right now, but it's going to affect you later on. And I think that's, that's cool. That's a good comparison. Yeah. Yep. Amen to that. So good. All right, that is my number three and Darren's number two. So I guess it's back over to me for my number two. My number two is also going back to Darren's number. What is it? Uh, I don't see it on here. Number eight, I guess. These are games in the Zombicide universe. So mine is Zombicide Black Plague or even just regular Zombicide, Zombicide Second Edition uh, compared to your Zombicide Night of the Living Dead. Yes. version but uh, you mentioned dead of winter being the uh walking dead the board game and it is zombicide is less of that but the gameplay is still really fun i loved exploring these different scenarios and you know you're really it's a dice chucker at its peak and you're just going around to the different buildings and collecting re, uh, collecting different items and and you know searching through the buildings sometimes you're going to find more zombies when you're searching and you know, good things, bad things happen, but mostly bad things because you get these hordes of zombies that you're trying to battle against cooperatively working together to complete the objectives. Really enjoy this one. It's one of those that tells stories, even if the game itself is not necessarily like reading the story to you, the things that happen play across, play play out in such a cinematic way. Yep. Love this game. I've loved it for years and years and years. Black Plague is probably my favorite version of it, but honestly, honestly, even in Halloween time, I would say part of me even prefers like the OG or second edition of that modern Zombicide game that gives you a little more frightful feeling as opposed to like that fantasy-esque version that you get from Black Plague. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Zombicide is more reflective of your your typical shoot them up, chop them up, run them over kind of zombie film with lots of gore and humor and everything else. And and those movies never really appealed. But I think that's one reason why I like Night of the Living Dead, why that one does, because it does feel like that movie. I even watched that again the other day when I was thinking about this. I broke out the game, I broke out the movie and just had a Night of the Living Dead night. And, uh, and it's funny cause you're, you know, you're trying to board up the house and you're trying to, to get the keys to the gas pump and trying to keep zombies at bay. And there's a little less killing, especially early on in this, in the early scenarios, but there are those moments where you meet certain conditions. You know, if you hand somebody the Winchester, then now you can flip over cause everybody's in black and white in Romero mode, but now you can flip over to zombicide mode and now you can look for those crazy cool weapons and you can 
put together that machete and that sawed off shotgun. And now you've got maw shotgun. And so, you know, you've got some of those typical zombicide things, but yet it still lives in that black and white, slow, creepy dread of night of the living dead. And so I like that one. And, um, that kind of storytelling I think is really unique and fun, but I am looking forward to the Marvel zombies. That might be a replacement for this because you can play as zombies. You can play as powerful superheroes. I'm curious how that fits into this genre of game, but yep. A lot of fun. Yep. Zombicide games, I guess is our number, my number two and your number something else. Eight. (laughs) Your number eight. Eight. We both share the same number one game and that's because it really is the peak Halloween game. I I think Uh, it is a, uh, second edition of a game that came out that was a one versus many, and then it changed to a fully cooperative game in the second edition. That's Mansions of Madness. This one released in 2016. It's an app-driven game, which is really cool because you do get some of that flavor text read to you at the very beginning, and then you're reading the other stuff on your own. Sometimes you don't know exactly what's going on. You're just, again, Betrayal at House in the Hill-esque type exploring this place and trying to figure out the story as you go along, which I really enjoy that. It's a spooky feeling in this game um, that I really, really enjoy. And a lot of different, a lot of different settings in this one too, uh, which is, is fantastic. Tons of different expansions. You, if you play a scenario, a lot of times you might not necessarily want to go back and play it. I've played multiple scenarios, Mm -hmm. you know, multiple times and I'm totally fine with it, but some people don't want that. They, if once they know what's happening, some of the scenarios play out in different ways, but maybe not enough. And so for me, I I think there's a ton of replayability in this game. If you play multiplayer, you're going to be playing for a long time, uh, usually much longer than the scenario indicates on the app. If it says an hour and a half, for me, it takes like three hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you can almost double it if you're playing with multiple players. <laughs> really, really, you can. And and for some people, that's an issue. For me, if you stay immersed and have fun, and you're you know kind of really getting into the game, it's it's fun. I I enjoy playing for a long time. Yeah, and and don't take yourself or or your decisions too seriously. Just you know make a decision and move on because it's probably going to end up bad anyway. Yeah, I love the the exploring the different rooms and interacting with the characters and looking for clues and the app telling you different things and you're talking about you're trying to remember you know who did what and what was where and uh, solving puzzles. You know some of the, some of the puzzles in the app are, are kind of that are usually not that difficult, but they do take time. And one thing I like about the game is that if you take too much time, like if you're waiting around. If you're taking too long on your turns, the app will ramp up. It will speed things up and more monsters will come to you more quickly and bad things will happen. I love how that it interacts with you. Uh, again, the stories that it tells, depending on what mood I'm in, I could swap my number one and two. I could swap the Arkham Horror, the card game and this one back and forth that typically I would give this one the nod because I do like the interaction of the, the app and the big sprawling map of the table of tiles that are out and the miniatures all over the place. It is um it is a unique Halloween experience. I'm looking forward to pulling this out next week and just leaving it up all week long mm, and playing it. Cool. Yep, it's gonna be fun. Yeah. So we did it. We got through our list. Woot. 13 Halloween games. So now Darren is very happy. Happy Woo! boy Darren. <laughs> who now might leave the show until <laughs> we do the 12 days of Christmas or whatever we decide yep. to do there. Who I'll knows be what back we're at gonna Christmas. do? 
That's right. (laughs) So anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. Hopefully you're enjoying lots of fun Halloween games this time of year or just fall themed games. There's lots of good ones of those as well. Uh, Real fast though, Darren, we probably had a couple of honorable mentions that we didn't get to talk about. What do you got? What do you got there? I mean, are you sure you want to go through this? We can save this for the next episode if you want. (laughs) We'll be real fast. I'm just going to name a couple. How about that? Okay, you name a couple and then I'll name a few more. All right. So um, really two big ones that come to mind um, that I didn't get to talk about. And that's because uh, I love these games and I really thought they were going to be on my list. One of those is the Disney Haunted Mansion Call of the Spirits game. Really love this one. And we play this one multiple times during the season. And I, it just probably would have been number 14. It was number 14 on my list. Really fun game. One that we mentioned before the show, Ghost Fight and Treasure Hunters, a kid's Halloween theme game. This has been a huge hit in our family over the years. Elder Sign, which is a really another a fun one, just, just off of my list. Welcome to the Halloween version is a lot of fun. The trick-or-treating and the zombie version are, are both good times. And then Final Girl, which was just off of my list. Honestly, partly because uh, I, I like it less than these other games on the list, but also a solo only, even though Arkham Horror LCG kind of fits in that realm. Solo only, it's, it's going to be a tough sell for me to have that on my list. So that's that's where I'm at there. I will echo most of what you said, and I will add to that uh, a few things because they fit certain scenarios or situations you might find yourself in, like Nightmare Productions, great Canizia auction game with a horror movie theme uh, by Trick or Treat Studios. Very good. Subterra, a cooperative pandemic style tile laying exploration game. Look into that. It's a lot of fun. Uh, don't go in there. A very well crafted and produced push your luck set collection game by Road to Infamy, the same people that did um, Canvas and uh, and you know games like that. That's uh, not a bathroom themed game, by the way. <laughs> no, which is what I think of every time I hear the name. <laughs> That's funny. No, uh, but it is a. The, the box itself converts into a dice tower and you're rolling glow-in-the-dark ghost dice down this. It's a little haunted house kind of game. So much fun. Uh, push your luck stuff. Patchwork Halloween Edition was already mentioned earlier. After the virus I've talked about before, a great cooperative but really solo, um, true deck-building zombie survival game. A lot of fun. Oh, let's see. Halloween Party, which we talked about already. Uh, Lovecraft, Lovecraft Letter. Not love yep, that was the, the other one I didn't mention. I love that version. Love that. The production is great. It comes in this really cool wooden box, tarot-sized cards, poker chips. A lot of fun uh, way to do love letter. Boob, which is the Halloween version of Boop, a great competitive abstract puzzle game with really cute kittens. I don't even like cats, but I love these kittens in this game. Don't mess with Cthulhu Deluxe Edition if you're into the whole, you know, trying to figure out, you know, party game style uh, deduction. That's a fun one. And if you like past the pigs for whatever reason, zombie dice horde edition is a very smart past the pigs with brains. I recommend that one too. in like a party kind of setting. So interesting. Yeah. A few I like zombie dice there. I, I played zombie so, dice so, a lot back in the day. Awesome. Well, the horde edition just gives you like, it's got some expansions in it. It gives you like a, a, a bus, a school bus dice and like a cheerleader and jock die kind of deal. It, it adds some different stuff. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, good, good uh, extra additions for honorable mentions. Hopefully you're getting these games played. 
Um, let's see. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us through social media. That's at Meepletown Games. Through all those different social media routes, you can connect with us on the Board Game Geek Guild number 3407. Really recommend that you connect with us through Discord because we have a lot of ongoing conversations there. And next time, we're going to be doing some back to our maybe a little bit normal scheduling of our episodes. And that's going to be it for this episode, number 146. Until next time, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. Later. Hurry back. Hurry back. Be sure to bring your death certificate.